Hey game friends, GM John here. Ravenloft Tiny Terrors is a spooky, silly podcast that may contain scenes that aren't appropriate for all listeners. As always, all specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the episode descriptions. We're using the Sword and Sorcery Ravenloft books from the early 2000s, as well as the Pathfinder First Edition role-playing system to play this game. This podcast was actually recorded before Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft for a fifth edition was printed, so if you're using that book, things will be a little different here. In lieu of referring you to books that may be out of print, if you want to learn more about Ravenloft and the background of the podcast's world, make certain to check out the Fraternity of Shadows, home of Ravenloft on the internet, at www.fraternityofshadows.com. With no further ado, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, game friends, to another edition of the Real Play Games podcast, a podcast where I, your game master, John, run my friends through a bunch of tabletop role-playing games, some of which are pretty popular and some of which are pretty obscure. This is going to be our seventh episode of Ravenloft Tiny Terrors, and things are finally really starting to get exciting. As always, with me, of course, I have Rue. Rue, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm Rue. <laughs> and I play... Lupo Cthulhu, the owl stuff, not zombie Oracle of the Moon, and his pet dog, Gorger. <laughs> and I'm Harm. I play Lupo's cousin, Ify Cthulhu, a telekinetic mad dog barbarian halfling, and her wolf animal companion, Yes Sir. Who is very good at stuffing owl meat into her cousin's mouth. <laughs> she is incredibly good at preventing ghouls from becoming hungry for human flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, when we last left the cousins, they were in the Weathermay Foxgrove run Van Richten's herbalist shop with Iffy sitting on top of a bed, force feeding raw owl meat into her cousin's mouth for fear that he had become a ghoul. But first and last time he plays the prank on Iffy. <laughs> <laughs> She believes it too well. And of course, you had been bitten by a ghoul the night previous in a mausoleum-type area somewhere near the sanitarium by a number of ghouls who had been dressed in the clothing of what appeared to be former sanitarium inmates. And the sanitarium is where the monocle is. Yes, based on your understanding, that's where Dr. Stella Conaveri is, and she's the last person to have been recorded as purchasing the monocle. Currently, the four of you are sitting down to an early lunch now that things have calmed down a little bit. Lupo, you're still struggling to get the taste of raw owl meat out of your mouth. <laughs> he like puts a little more sugar in your tea. She's probably apologized profusely. <laughs> I thought you were cool. It's fine. It's fine. You were really believable. <laughs> For you're her part, actor. Jennifer looks a little stern. She says, that's not really the type of trick that you should be playing on people, Lupo. Things could have gotten bad really quickly. I had my pistol and my rapier ready. I'm sorry. Laurie laughs a little bit. She's like, oh, come on. I thought it was a little bit funny. It's a little funny. Just seeing him get force-fed all of that owl meat was kind of worth it. He kind of got punished already. <laughs> I learned my lesson, and I will never not know the taste of rotted owl meat. Some memories can't be on memories. <laughs> For her part, Jennifer seems to smile a little bit more after that. She says, we should probably start coming up with a plan to get to the bottom of this whole mess with Canaveri. Planning sounds good, but we are not good at that. Is there visiting hours at the sanitarium? Laurie pipes up. She says, yes, of course, people can go and visit the inmates or you could go and speak if you wanted to talk to Dr. Musil about his treatment methodologies, I'm certain he'd be able to welcome you for a little bit if you pretended to be an out-of-town dignitary or something like that. I can pretend to be an out-of-town dignitary's guard. I do not think I can pretend to be a dignitary. <laughs> I can pretend to be a dignitary's child, but I do not think I can be a dignitary. She says, well, 
perhaps just someone from out of town who has interest in the arts of psychology, which is what Dr. Moustal studies. It's the study of the mind. I don't know if Ify knew that before this moment, so she's probably still not the best qualified person. She looks to Lupo because uh, so smart. <laughs> Lupo, give me an intelligence check. It is my strongest. That is a 13. Okay, you actually have heard of psychology before. Based on your understanding, it's a relatively new field of alienism. People who study the mind and mental related things like oh. magnetism. Is that where they shrink your mind? I think I like my mind being the size it is. <laughs> they smooth it out, right? All the rough spots. Well, that's one way to look at it. Yes, they try to treat maladies of the mind and problems that people have that focus on things like trauma or past incidents that horrified or permanently turned somebody a little different. So they teach you to put it all in a box and lock that box up and never think about it again? Just keep building up boxes? Jennifer laughs at that point and she's like, I don't believe that is actually how it works, quite frankly. Just keep putting it in bottles. <laughs> never think about the bad things and the bad things can't hurt you. If he maybe doesn't have the best coping mechanisms out there. <laughs> We're really not well prepared for this kind of stuff. Also, we still don't know if that guy's niece is going to be mad at me. We think she won't be. And she probably hasn't heard about it yet, but that's something to keep in mind. Jennifer, for her part, looks a little concerned. She says, well, when did the incident occur? Like two days ago, three. Three days ago, I think. Looking a little relieved, Jennifer says, oh, well, there's not any real way that she could have possibly been informed about the situation unless a courier came and delivered the information to her right away. Yeah, I don't think he was courier level mad, right? I mean, I think he was mad like in the I'll send out couriers to tell people to kill you way, not I'll be letting my family members know way. Yeah. I don't think it's quite something we need to concern ourselves with. I mean, she's a slip of a woman. She's very frail looking. I doubt there's much that she could do to harm you, even if she wished. Like a skinny woman. No, like unhealthy. Even easier. I could take like two of them on. <laughs> I, could be, I could fight three sick women at once, I bet. <laughs> the Thinking about it for a little bit, Laurie is the first one to really pipe up. She says, well, I would think that we would want to try and perhaps even search her property in place that she's staying at the boarding house while she's working at the sanitarium. If she's not carrying the monocle with her, we might be able to find it there. Breaking and entering so much easier than talking to people. We should do that. Yeah. Do you guys know how to pick locks? They look between the two of them and they both shrug. For her part, Jennifer says, I had thought that one of you might be able to do so. Um, I'm sure I could figure it out. I have a plus two in it, so. <laughs> I also have thieves tools. So I would have like a four total with thieves tools. I can no. try. How hard could it be? Jennifer, for her part, says it's a relatively rough area. So there may be some people there that would be a little upset to see a halfling meddling about in the room of someone who isn't a halfling. You'd have to be very stealthy. That we can do. I'm stealthier than I am a lockpicker. <laughs> can I roll for stealth and try and hide? I'm going to do it too. Are you guys just trying to hide like in the room? <laughs> I rolled a two. I rolled a 19. Okay, Lupo, you start clambering under the table and you just trip over everyone's feet. Both <laughs> Jennifer and Lori's feet are under there and you just get end up at, like on your back in between them. <laughs> if he uses that opportunity to go hide behind the drapes. See, master stealthers. They're so good at this. <laughs> Running a distraction, I see. <laughs> teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> it's going to have to call out from behind the curtain. I'm pretty good at hiding, see? <laughs> the two sisters, they share a look with one another for a moment. They're like, oh my God, they're going to die. They're like, how have sweet things made it this far? Apparently, you might have anything that will help. Okay, so are they impressed with my stealth skills? It seems like Jennifer might have seen you even during that. She kept her eye on you the whole time as your cousin fell between her and her sister's <laughs> legs. <laughs> normally, normally, I don't yell, watch me hide. <laughs> <laughs> So it's normally a little better. It's normally I'm better than this. And I can put out all the lights, even it'll be dark for us. Can we see in the dark? No, you're no. halfling. 
Who needs to see when you're halflings? <laughs> My halfling senses will guide me. <laughs> this is why we're bad at planning. I have ice like we could use to shadow the lock. Liquid ice. Oh, that could work. Full strength. You could just make me really strong and I'll rip it off with my arms. Yeah. They look at one another again and Jennifer is the first one to say something. She says, perhaps instead you should go visit the sanitarium and (laughs) see if you can gather some information there. Perhaps shadow Dr. Canaveri from a distance. We could go to her lodging and try to get in. I'm certain that Laurie can cast a spell to get her door open if necessary. I mean, we're better at breaking and sneaking than we are at talking. But if you think it's better that way, we can try. Yeah. Then we can also sneak around the sanitarium. Yeah. They can't make you stay in a sanitarium, right? They can try. You won't let them make me stay, right? Why would you stay? You're not going to stay. Okay. They most likely make me stay. Because of this, and I point to my face. Well, that's stupid. If he doesn't like sanitariums now. I guess we're going to go to the sanitarium and use our awesome talking skills to fluff our way around and sneak. There's nothing that could go wrong with that. We could ask her about, if she, she knows about mines, maybe she'll know about the curse that we have in our home. Oh, we could tell her that we're coming to investigate that. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's actually a really good idea. Because we do have genuine interest in it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's going to be our plan. We're going to go and talk to try and get an appointment with her because we want to talk about the curse that seems to be on our land and what kind of things could affect the mind that way. The Martara Bay curse? It's a Darkon curse. And we can try and find out because we have concerns about whether or not it would be safe to make your mom remember. Yeah. That's our plan. We're going to go talk to her. Okay, now that you've finally decided over your early lunch to go do that, the sisters look a little more satisfied now that they have a plan. And Jennifer says, well, then I suppose that means that we're going to go and check out her lodgings and see if we can find anything of use. Okay, should we meet back up here tonight? Jennifer says, yes, let's do that. Let's say sundown. If we get done before then, should we just hide in your yard? We don't have anywhere else to go. Laurie hands a key over to you and she says, that won't be necessary. Okay, because I was just going to say, like, leave out a big bucket that I could hide under and that would work out really good. <laughs> this is a water drop we can just <laughs> make a pool of. We, like, pop out of their flower beds. <laughs> You're sitting in a bush for hours. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to avoid. So cool. If he's going to put it in her bag of holding with all of her other things. And then we're going to go to the sanitarium. I'll fill out my little map of the town a little bit as we go with certain landmarks to help me know if I'm running in the dark how to get to and from the sanitarium. I learned something new. I have the spell Rage. Cool. Does it make me mad? Like, would it make me rage? It would. Or I could put it on our animals. Ooh, that's cool. They get bonuses to their strength and their health, their constitution, and they get better against mind-affecting stuff. So it does make them less able to defend themselves. Okay, let's do that if things get bad then. Okay. Okay, well, you'll be heading down south then. You'll be going past the market that's in town. It's relatively small. It doesn't appear to have a whole lot going on currently inside of it. I mark it on my map. I get lost a lot. I, I have to run a lot through the streets, and I need to be prepared for this. Oh, yeah. My dog also knows a trick play dead. Nice. You reach an intersection as you follow the street that Van Richten's herbalist shop had been located at. And you head towards your left, which would be cutting towards the west of the town. And you know that there is a street that runs directly south to the sanitarium itself. And as you're approaching it, you can see it's a large building, about three stories tall. One of the larger buildings in town. And it's got a big wrought iron fence surrounding the entirety of it. As you head up and you go in, there's a relatively small reception area. It's got a single woman wearing a white dress. She's a human with auburn colored hair, and she's wearing a little white cap. As the two of you come in, she peers over the desk to look at you. She says, how can we help you today? Does she allow the dogs in? She looks down and shakes her head as she sees the dogs come in behind the two of you. I'll give yes sir an order in Halfling to sit outside. Yeah, I'll say stay and point outside. Both the dogs head back out, and she seems to ease up a little bit. And she says, now, how can we assist you today? Hi, we're here to see Dr. Stella Canaveri. 
she stops for a moment and looks down at what appears to be some kind of a schedule or something like that. And she says, well, I'm sorry. It appears that today she's not going to really be available. She's going to be with patients all day. Do you need to be admitted? We have questions on something that she might find most interesting. We've traveled a very long way to ask her questions. From our understanding, she's one of the very few people who would have answers. Go ahead and give me a diplomacy check, please. Both of us or just him? Whoever wants to try and attempt it. Otherwise, you can try and assist. I'll try and assist. Okay. I got a five. Okay, so you do not help with the diplomacy. I got a 25 altogether. Holy cow, you're way better at that than me. I will also say it could be very lucrative for her, too. As you say the part about lucrative, it's almost like her ears prick up a little bit. And she says, well, give me a few moments, please. And I'll go ahead and try and see if I can't talk to Dr. Canaveri and see if she can make some time for you. And she heads off further into the sanitarium to go try and track Dr. Canaveri down. While she's gone, I'm going to take a look around. Yeah, is there anything interesting on her desk? You're going to search her desk specifically? I'll keep an eye out, make sure no one comes. Yeah, does it look like this place is being monitored, this front desk area? Not that you can see. It doesn't look like anybody's guarding the front of the place, but you would assume that if this is a place that has some bars on some of the outside windows, that it's probably got some guards. Yeah, I just kind of want to peruse what's on the desk. I'm not like shuffling through drawers or anything, just like hopping up and peeking over the counter. There's actually a little stool tucked away behind the desk that you can just pull out and hop up on. As you're looking through the paperwork on the desk, you can see that, again, there's a schedule that indicates what the different doctors are going to be doing over the course of the day. There's also some notes. It appears that Celeste Dolnaire Louvert is going to be following Dr. Moussel today, shadowing him. You also see what look like a couple of files for patients that have been marked as missing. I'm going to point those out to Lupo. Can I see what Dr. Stella's schedule is supposed to be like for the next day as well? The next day, it appears that she's going to be doing what they call galvanic therapy. Okay. And how's that compared to Dr. Moussel's? Dr. Moussel is actually going to be giving a small lecture. So it appears that he's going to be heading out of town tonight. Interesting. I'm going to scoot back around so that nobody knows I was going through the... Are there any like keys or anything in view? Give me a perception check. I also have 23 of perception for keeping watch, like listening for her coming back. I got a 19 in perception. You do not find any keys or anything like that at the desk. As I'm going to detect magic. There is nothing magical at the desk or anywhere in this area. I just want it like ready so that I have six minutes of it. Okay. And every time I have a time like away and no one's really watching, I'm going to do it again just to make sure I have it up, try to keep it up as much as I can. If you signal me, I'll get attention when you need to reset that. Okay, so I'm going to scoot the chair back underneath the desk, the stool, and go back around so I look like I was not looking through her things. Well, just as you're moving back around the desk, not that she'd be able to see you from the vantage point that she was at immediately anyway, but the person who had been at the desk, the human woman, comes back and she says, if the two of you will follow me, Dr. Canaveri is right this way. Thank you. Thank you. What was your name? My name is Heather Maypenny. Heaven? Heather. There's no heaven in this game. Wow. (laughs) This is Ravenlaw. (laughs) She leads you through a couple of corridors, and this place seems to be very large and apparently built to house numerous people who are suffering from maladies to get full-time treatment. Some of these cells have disturbing noises coming from them, like groans or screaming. Any of them magical? No, you don't detect any magic as you're going through there. But when you finally are led to a door, which looks like it's to an office, you pick up a singular magical signature located inside of the room. Is that her room? It is. It's her office. And as the door opens, you see a very severe looking human woman, probably about five and a half feet in height. Her dark hair is cut very short. She is wearing a white doctoral overcoat over what you believe is a dress. And as she stares down at the two of you, Lupo, you see there is a clear magical aura emitting around her neck. Is there a monocle around her neck? The dress that she has on is high enough to obscure whatever the item is, but he can see the aura of it underneath of her clothing. Do these artifacts give off like evil auras too? Out of character, you wouldn't really be able to tell because spells like detect evil and detect good don't function effectively in Ravenloft. You are the two people that wished to speak with me about a lucrative opportunity? We are, yes. 
come in, come in. And she makes a dismissive hand motion toward Heather and sends her away. I look at Heather and say, thank you so much. Yeah, if he gives Heather like a, a sympathetic glance and thanks her and then heads in. She's going to let Lupo take the lead on this because she's not good at talking to fancy people or stern people. Her eyes are so dark brown that they're almost black as they stare at you, Lupo. And she says, what is it? What did you wish to speak about? I would have prepared this. 50 gold is still pretty lucrative, right? It's not like a huge amount of money, especially for a doctor. Would 100 be lucrative? Nobody's going to sneeze at it. It's not mind-blowing money, but... I just want to be sure. I'll say, yes, thank you for your time, and I'll give her a bag of 50 gold that I had prepared for this, because I said it was lucrative, so there's monetary exchange. She cocks an eyebrow, and she says, and this is for? Your time, just to be able to speak to you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. She takes the bag and tucks it back on the back end of her desk, and she says, what is it that you would wish to discuss? Have you heard of Darkhani Curse? Now, you mean the phenomena where people believe that they have relations or other family that live in Darkon when they may not? Yes. I have, but I may say that as a Darkonian, given that the relative landmass of the country is perhaps a quarter of the landmass of the total continent that we live on, it is quite possible that it is just so expansive that some people are not aware of where their ancestors come in that country. Well, yes, but you know how halflings keep very detailed records of their family trees, right? Of course, of course. We came because we believe my mother... uh, Affected by the curse, even though she was aware of it. Yeah. So deeply that she forgot her entire family tree and made up a new one for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he's saying. I'm not telling him these things. That's... I'm gonna. I'm like. She basically. I know my mother. Uh, we just found out from a family in this area that through their lineages, my mother was not related to anybody in Darkon, but she does believe she is related to them. Not through marriage, but through blood. Um, and I'll explain like what I found out. Not too specific, but enough to try to like get her interested. <laughs> Unfortunately, she says, "Well." This is a little outside of my purview, typically. I mean, if your mother is suffering from some sort of a mental breakdown that leads her to believe that she's a Darkonian native when she is not actually a Darkonian native, then perhaps you should have her brought here to the sanitarium so we can give her more intensive therapy. Well, we were kind of also wondering if you were to reveal it to her, show her proof, would that be detrimental to her? That's kind of the questions that we, we were wanting to ask when we came, right? Would you believe that revealing this information or or have you ever worked with them? Ah, I see, I see. I think that revealing something like that to her may cause psychological trauma. It may be something you wish to avoid until, again, it can be arranged for her to receive longer-term care. So you do recommend us bringing her here to help with this psychosis? Yes, here or perhaps another place that is equally equipped to assist her. Of course, there are few places on the continent that are as well equipped to assist her as we are. And I would want her in the best of places. Naturally, naturally. Could we see your operation? We would really wish her to be under the best care. And word of Dr. Stella Conaberry had reached us even in Darkon, so. Well, that is typically the place where I reside, so it makes sense that I would have been well known there. We even heard that Dr. Stella Conaberry was best, even better than Dr. James Mosell, who a lot of people seem to believe in. But given our druthers, we'd go with the Dark Con. Give me a bluff check on that, Iffy. I roll so low. I got an eight. No, I mean, genuinely, Iffy would go with a Dark Con person better. And also has only heard of that guy. So She stares at you for a long moment. She says, we can have someone show you the grounds. We apply several methodologies of treatment here, including Dr. Mussel's own analytical theories. Well, we heard there's issues with that. We would want to make sure it's something that works. I can assure you the efficacy of the methodologies that we use here, albeit some methodologies are more tested than others. I'd have great faith in Dr. Mussel's ability to further improve his method over time. But I think there are old touchstones that one must observe in psychological treatment. If he's going to tell her, we'd really like to hear more about the sanitarium. It sounds like this is the best place, especially since the niece of the chief advisor to the Lord Governor of Daman is studying here, right? And she wouldn't have made such a kerfuffle if she hadn't thought this place was worth it, that your methods were worth it. She sneers a little bit and she says, unfortunately, 
Despite her best wishes, Miss Louvard is not a doctor, so she is not here to really do anything but inquire. She has yet to even enter her studies to be a doctor. Oh, so she's more like us, just kind of hoping to get any like bits of wisdom from you guys. Correct. She is simply an enthusiast, if you will. Oh, Naturally, with her uncles being influential people, given that Dr. Moussel is her uncle as well. So that's why she's studying with him and not you. She gives you a sour look. Roll me a bluff check on that one, because you are trying to provoke her. I'm not trying to provoke her. I'm just trying to figure out what this weird dynamic is. We don't, that's not why we're here. (laughs) I don't know why we're here. We're here to look around the place. That would be a 17. She takes the bait this time. Personally, I would lean far more heavily on a regimen of hypnotherapy and surgery than the good Dr. Moussel does. But Miss Duvert is obviously more inclined to her family member, given the penchant that people have in demand you for nepotism. If he gives a knowing nod, she too does not like demand you. <laughs> Is there parts of the sanitarium that follow more of what you teach than what he teaches? Or is it all kind of mixed together? How would we know? Because we really want my aunt and his mom to get the best care. She sighs a little and she says, while there is a standardized course of treatment, I have been petitioning Dr. Moussel to allow me to utilize more hypnotherapeutic methodology. Thus far, he has remained unconvinced. That sounds very unfortunate. I know I have tech magic up and I've been able to see her for. Yeah, it's got to have been several rounds now. Three right? rounds. Correct. You are picking up a very strange aura off of this. In fact, give me a will save. Uh oh. Against fear? No. And that's only for him. Against fear? No. Not <laughs> against fear. Oh my God. I rolled the 19. So that is a 25. Okay, say no more, say no more. It's, of course, the person that's got the highest will save in the room that I decided (laughs) to pick to make the will save. (laughs) As you're staring at this, you can see that the aura on it, you know that there is a very strong enchantment on whatever item is at her throat. So is it like the other cursed items we've encountered? It is far more potent based off of your understanding, like just of sheer magical power than the other items that you found. And for a brief moment, as you're staring at this area around her neck, trying to analyze the magical Dwemer surrounding it, for a brief moment, you started to get vaguely drowsy, but you managed to snap out of it. Oh, I'm very curious about this hypnotism therapy. From what little I know of it, it sounds like it would be very beneficial to our aunt. Is there a way you could show us kind of how it works? She looks pensive for a moment, and then she seems to start opening up a little more to you. Unfortunately, many people who are aware of the use of the hypnotic technique use it for charlatanry or entertainment purposes. The type of clinical hypnotherapy that I do is a much more involved process that requires many sessions. Oh, that's understandable. Have I heard anything about this? Like, I have history, religion, and arcana. Give me an intelligence check. Your best stat. I was trying to get her to hypnotize one of us so we could see if she uses the monocle to do it. It's like, I do not want to be hypnotized by her. I don't like this thing. It almost put me to sleep. Uh, that is a five. You know that people can make people do things sometimes when they want them to, and that's apparently hypnotism. That's all you know about it. Oh yeah, we had someone come through the town that one time that made our uncle quack like a duck. He was quite embarrassed. She has a distasteful look on her face when you start talking about that. I'm not saying that's what you do. I just think that's all I know about it. She says, yes, those are the charlatans and bad faith actors I was speaking of. If we can't see the hypnotism in progress, could we perhaps see the rooms that you do it in and hear of some of the cases that you've had that have been successful? I am happy to discuss the cases that I have had that are successful at another time with you. I have a large course of work to do with a number of the patients here today. Of course, you're a doctor. You're very busy. If you wish to tour the grounds, provided that Dr. Moussel is fine with it, you can simply have the woman at reception do it for you. Heather. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. We appreciate that. We'll stop taking up more of your time. I'm sure you have patients to tend to. 
She gives you a slight nod and she says, thank you for showing your interest in your mother's treatment here. Should you bring her here, I will take my best pains to make certain that she receives the treatment necessary to restore her. I'm going to say thank you in Darkenese and wish her a good day in Darkenese and then we'll head out, I guess. She does the same to you. Thank you for your time with all the information. I'll give her another 50 gold. She seems a little surprised, but takes it. We're very serious about it. My aunt, his mom. Of course, of course. The two of you head out of the room and she shuts the door behind you. Okay, so let's go find that Heather girl to get a tour. Or do you want to forget that we were supposed to ask Heather and start wandering around on our own? We'll make sure we're not watched. I speak a couple words and touch you, give you mm-hmm. resistance. After seeing that thing and getting tired, there's something bad here. I don't like it. <laughs> Are you going to tell me kind of what you saw? Yeah, I'd say there was, uh, there was a thing around her neck. Okay. I, when I was trying to figure it out, it made me sleepy. Let's get a tour of the place just to see what it's like in here. Like to get a, a lay of the land. Yeah. And then we can meet up with the twins and discuss what we saw. As you're heading towards the main reception area, you hear a loud scream come from one of the cells. And you can see the woman at the reception desk come running past you, yelling, Orderly! Orderly! Want to go see? She is supposed to be guiding us, right? Yeah, let's go after her. <laughs> we start following her. We were told to find Heather at reception, and there goes Heather at reception. <laughs> we'll be a little bit, but a little ways away. I don't want to get attacked by anything, but I just kind of want to yeah. see what there is to see. <laughs> I put resistance on myself. <laughs> As you are moving towards the area of the commotion, you see two burly-looking figures. One of them looks maybe half-elf, just because he's slighter than the other one, but the other is a big burly human. The two of them come and both of them have what look like truncheons on their belts. And they appear to be wearing uniforms similar to the woman that had been at the reception desk, albeit ones that have some kind of like padding underneath of them. And as the woman fumbles for a key to open the door, she opens it up and lets the two men in. And they go in and subdue a person who is in a room that seems to have heavy padding on the inside of it. They beat him? No, they don't look like they're beating them. They look like they're just physically restraining them with their arms. Okay. And she looks down and sees the two of you and she says, Oh, what do you want? You shouldn't be here right now. Oh, we were told to find you. Clearly, not a good time. We're waiting on a doctor to get here. Okay. Okay, so we're free to go? Yes, yes. You're not supposed to be here right now. Leave. Okay, we won't be here. I'm like, well, she said we can go anywhere, right? I didn't hear her say that we had to leave the building. (laughs) Okay, so the two of you were operating on the <laughs> old like, halfling technicality. <laughs> what uh, what are we sticking around for, though? What are we hoping to gain here? She's not in her office right now. We didn't see her leave. She just had us leave. Wait. Oh, I thought we left with her. No, she shut the door on us. Did the schedule say she would be doing the appointments in her office or that she'd be leaving her room? It said that she would be visiting the patients in there. Like, now-ish? Well, we can, like, wait and kind of see. Well, it was supposed to be a little while ago that she was supposed to start her round. So maybe she's going to be in a hurry. Let's go back. Okay, we'll start heading kind of back that way. I also want to see if she's the one that's attending this. Okay, give me start a stealth check down. now, because you're no longer <laughs> being escorted through the sanitarium. We haven't been escorted since the lady let, made us leave her room. Right, and you came back and you talked to a staff member while they were in the middle of an emergency and they told 18. you to leave. I did that on purpose. (laughs) 14. Okay. The two of you are moving through the hallways when you see a large, dark-skinned man wearing a uniform similar to the other men who had truncheons on their belt. And he does also have a truncheon on his belt. He points over to where you're at when you're coming around a corner. He says, what are you doing over here? Oh, thank goodness. We've gotten so turned around. Do you know where the exit is? He looks very sternly at the both of you and he says, yes, follow me. We'll be leaving now. Okay, I'm going to follow behind him. What's your name? He says, this is a restricted area. Oh, but thank goodness you are here. (laughs) As you start lagging behind him, he stops and waits for you to catch up. I wasn't lagging. No, I know, I but like, if you try and walk behind him, he'll sit and wait for you to come forward. No, but if he's walking faster than us, I'm going to ask him if he can shorten his step, because i got little legs. Can you walk a little slower? Because you're kind of making me run. So yeah, we were having a tour, and then something weird happened, and she told us to leave, and we got lost. This place is like a maze. How do you even navigate? Do you guys do, like, maps, or do you just get lots of tours? <laughs> 
He looks down at the two of you and just cocks an eyebrow for a moment. He says, we patrol a lot. Oh, I bet. Thank God. She's a- Can you imagine how fast they do their patrols on those long legs? They're just like stomp, stomp, stomp. <laughs> and he is far less mirthful than the two of you are as he leads you back out to the reception room and points towards the doorway. I think his legs are like two of us in length. Like as yeah. long as we are tall. Cool. So we're going to go trotting out. Okay, so you folks leave the sanitarium. (laughs) (laughs) On our way to the twins' home, there was a marketplace, right? Correct. I would like to go to the marketplace to look for souvenirs for our friends back home. I have no more money. But before we leave, can we do like a circuit? Like circle around the thing and see anything? Yeah, let's look for the marketplace. It's got to be around here somewhere. Yeah, and we'll circle the sanitarium. (laughs) (laughs) You're really circling the sanitarium. We're not like running a hand along the fence line as we go, but are there roads around it? You can go down towards the southeast along a road that cuts around some of the farmland, but there's no road that runs along the south or west side of it. It's kind of on a ridge. We'll walk down to the farmland and then back up with our dogs. Yeah, you pass some relatively untilled fields at this point. There's not a lot growing currently because it's just spring at this point. Everything's just been sown. But the sanitarium's pretty well fenced in and whatever. Correct. And you do see, it looks like about three guards total patrolling the exterior of the grounds as well. All right. So I want to go to the market and get souvenirs for my friends. Okay. It takes you a little while to loop back up to the marketplace area. It's not a market day, so not all of the stores that would usually be open are open, but there's still a fair amount of items that are available for purchase here. Okay, cool. I'm going to look around. What kind of stuff do we got? I want to get something for Jackson, and I want to get something for Sasha. I have eight gold. Can I buy a lock with that? You can find a lock to purchase, yeah. I'm going to start practicing on picking locks. Ooh, can I practice on your lock? Yeah. I'll go in half-seas with you. There's a lot of handcrafted goods that are very popular here, especially you notice that there's a fair amount of people that sell whittling. It seems to be a popular pastime. Can I get a whittling kit for Jackson? And then he said handcrafted goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, it seems that the more dentish seem to take delight more in making handmade things for pleasure, not so much for the purposes of business. A lot of them appear to be either landowners or people who have jobs other than craftsmanship. But the ones that do make things, they make really nice things, but they don't mass produce them. Could I get like a really pretty carved rolling pin for Sasha? Yeah, you managed to find a lovely one. It's got a bunch of prints on them so that when you roll it out, it'll actually leave the print of the item on whatever you're rolling on. But you can remove the outer layer of it and it's just smooth. Nice. How much um, would that and the whittling kit be? Together, let's say 20 gold for the whole lot. The rolling pin's the more expensive one, but it is very nice. Sasha will probably weep with joy when she sees it. I think this is going to make Sasha cry. Look at how pretty this is. It is really nice. All right, so now that my shopping's done, what time is it? With how long you hung around at the, well, you weren't there that long. You sat, talked to the lady for a while, were then told to leave by the staff, and then explored around a little, and were told to leave by the staff again, and were escorted (laughs) out that time. Let's be generous, especially with your shopping trip, and say 3.34 almost. And it's starting to get a little gray up in the, well, it's almost always gray up in the sky in Morden, but it's starting to get drizzly. Oh no, is there a restaurant we can eat at? Ooh, what about that Fisher Alley bunkhouse or the Old Blackard Inn? The bunkhouse is where Dr. Stella Conaveri is staying. Yeah, and that doesn't have food or drink in it, right? No, that's just where people sleep. Okay, let's go to the Old Blackard Inn. Actually, you would want the Traveler's Inn slash the Beached Mermaid Inn. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to go to the place that Stella had been drinking at. Yeah, the Blackard Inn only serves liquor. It doesn't serve food. Okay, so we'll go to the place and get some food. Very heavy seafood here, obviously, because for starters, you're literally in a bay. And how much would dinner be? For the two of you, especially with some good drinks, we'll say three gold total altogether. Okay. It's not that expensive. I'm paying for it. Okay, (laughs) I want to go back to my gold. That's really why I want to go back to her place. (laughs) We'll try and steal it back. (laughs) Can we chit-chat with the staff and see, like, 
I just kind of want to get a feel for how people feel about the sanitarium. If anything weird's been happening. Oh, yeah, I'll help stuff. with that. Give me a diplomacy check, please. Let me help you or do you want to help me? I only have a plus one diplomacy. I have a plus 12. Okay, I'll help you. Or a 14. So that's 22, 24. You charm the pants off the staff here. They just seem to love the two of you for some reason. Maybe it's because you're small and adorable. Your server is a blotchy-faced woman with short blonde hair. Her name is Yvette. And as she's speaking with you, she says that she's personally a little afraid of the sanitarium because she's heard that sometimes inmates escape and hurt people. That happened recently? She's heard whisperings that people have gotten out, but according to everyone in town, that hasn't happened, especially according to people at the sanitarium. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? I mean, they have really good security there. It's really hard for people to get get around. (laughs) He's like, you're safe. And I'm like, that's what they want you to think. (laughs) Okay, so no real rumors about anything weird happening. No, not any weird rumors, like anything unusual happening over there. Just usual people's concerns. Have they heard of anybody getting helped by the hypnotherapy stuff? Especially when you start talking about hypnotherapy, none of them really appear very aware of what that is. Okay. So I guess we'll burn some time here and then head on over to the twins place around sundown. When you head back to Van Richten's herbalist shop and you put the key in the door and head in, you can see the sisters are already seated inside back in their living area. It looks like Jennifer's been in a fight. She's got a busted lip and uh, some swelling around her eye. Are you okay? She laughs a little bit and she says, you should see the two of them. <laughs> did someone catch you guys breaking in or did you guys run into trouble? Laurie shakes her head and she pipes up. She says, we ended up getting into her lodgings, but I ended up having to go out her window in a gaseous state to get out of there. I wasn't able to grab any of the papers I was looking at, but that woman's got serious, serious issues. Oh, do tell. I'm going to move forward and cast your light wounds on her. At this point, it wipes everything clear. As soon as you cast it, she is immediately fully healed. Out of character, it was just non-lethal damage. That's okay. Still, I mean, you're in a long rest anyways. Maybe. I have a lot of first level spells, so we're good. (laughs) Yeah, tell us everything if he clambers up onto a chair. Jennifer seems to defer to Laurie a little bit on this one. Laurie says, well, Jennifer had a talk with the man at the counter, and she said he was a bit off. He was more than a bit off. He was completely off. Somebody's got some kind of an influence on him. Like hypnotic? Perhaps, yes. I mean, that could be an explanation for it. That lady was real into hypnotism. She had something on her neck that made Lupo sleepy. Did she speak to you about surgery, too? Yeah. Yes. I see. I found some very disturbing anatomical drawings that I had seen in amongst her papers that have me a little concerned about her mental state. Pictures of muscles and stuff? No, pictures of things that she hopes to do to brace. Oh. Oh, she's gonna like Madame Laveau, like Lalaurie do people. Lalaurie? Yeah. No, uh, Marie Laveau was a voodoo priestess. You're thinking of Delphine Lalaurie. Yeah, she was a bad one. Yeah, she was a monster. Well, it seems like she had something around her neck that was bad. It was a really strong enchantment and made you want to go to sleep. So we might want to protect against that kind of stuff. I kind of want to go see those people where she's staying. The weird ones? Yeah. Why? Do you want to see if there's magic on them? Yeah. Would hypnotism be magic on them? Or do you think it's like first artifact? Laurie speaks up. She says, well, if she's using the hypnotic process, it's not necessarily magic, although there are magical forms of hypnosis. So if we end up getting in a fight with her, we want to yank whatever's around her neck off of her neck. The twins look at each other for a few moments and Laurie says, well, we could try and, oh goodness, this seems like banditry, but we could try and perhaps knock her unconscious. I like this plan. Are you thinking like with a big kick or, oh, sleep? Yes, yes. We wouldn't want to just bludgeon her into unconsciousness. I mean, that's a very last resort option. (laughs) That's the first thought. If he had, she was like, get a big stick and just hit her with it. Anyone got a shovel? Yeah, I could make her less likely to resist things such as sleep. But then if you guys fail, I can hit her with something really heavy in the head. 
Jennifer laughs and she says, again, I don't think we'll be needing to hit anyone in the head unless it's completely an emergency. It'd probably be better if you did that anyway, Jennifer, because I can only reach her knees. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be two hits. Not efficient. Like, are we going to ambush her outside of the hospital or like wait for her to go in her room and do it? I love how Laurie was so hesitant. And if he's like, all right, let's plan the crime. I mean, I could always try and re-access her room. It would use most of the more powerful magics I have access to during the day, but I could go back up through her window as a gas. How high is the window? It's about 20 feet up. Can't we just climb up into the window? People might see us. How tough was the lock looking? I just cast a relatively simple spell and it undid the lock. I locked it behind me once I had gone up in there. Can you just let us in, unlock the door, and let, like that way you don't have to use your big spell? Unfortunately, don't have the ability to cast the spell I used to unlock the door again today. I get a plus four to disable device if I use my thieves tools, so I could try unlocking it if you want. Do we want to ambush her in her room? Again, that would be a last resort. I could cast a sleep spell on her. For her part, Jennifer says, of course, we'll want to make certain that she's not in her lodging at that point. I don't know how late she's planning on working. I know what her schedule is. You do know, Iffy. You know that she's planning on working until approximately 7 p.m. She's working till 7, but it might be later because we threw off her schedule. Jennifer at this point says, well, that gives us about an hour to get over there and wait for her or figure out something else that we want to do. Okay, yeah, let's do that. As you're heading over towards where the bunkhouse is located at, you can see that this part of Mordenshire is definitely a lot more run down than the other areas that you've been in so far. Even though it's just a a relatively short way away from the sanitarium, it definitely looks like the quality of the buildings and such goes downhill as you're arriving in this area. It's weird that she would be in this part of town. Yeah, especially with as much as she liked being a doctor and as proud as she was of that. Lori says, well, it is relatively cheap to live here, so I imagine that's probably one of the reasons if she's a frugal woman. Yeah, but if 50 gold pieces isn't that big of a deal to a doctor, then this type of area is way cheaper than what they would be able to afford. Way, way, way cheaper. I think she's weird, so this is a place where weird is normal. Yeah, well, it's just it puts her closer to prey, but yeah, it's a weird thing to have a doctor live in the most run-down part of town by choice. And when you're heading into the bunkhouse, how do you want to go in? What's the plan? I imagine you're all talking about it as you're going through. Laurie is, of course, planning on gaining access through Gash's form to her room. I feel we should get a room. That way we have a reason to be there. Yeah. Well, as you head into the bunkhouse, you see that it's a relatively narrow building. It looks like it's a two-floor affair that's got a bunch of rooms, and the very foremost room is like a very small desk area where a very disheveled-looking man is sitting. And as he looks over at you, he says, Oh, what can I do for you? We're looking for a room? All right, two per room. That's going to be five silvers per night. I got three rooms available. Well, we know what room she's on, right? You know what room she's located in, correct? She's at one of the rooms furthest down the hallway on the second floor. Well, do we know what numbers of the rooms are near her? And he has three rooms available. So how many rooms are on that floor? There's only one. It's room number seven on the second floor. Okay. That'll do. Yeah, we want the second floor room. And Jennifer pulls out the coinage necessary to pay for it. Rock. Thank you. As you head up and inside of the bunkhouse, you can see that this is a pretty rough looking area. A couple of the rooms have a few men hanging out in there. You think that they're either laborers or maybe even criminals based on the the smell coming from the rooms. Your room is the second furthest room down the hallway. Um, Also, I rolled for it. I was able to cast Detect Magic before we got in here. Yeah, you detect no magic in the area whatsoever. Okay. Other than the magic on you and the twins. Okay. It's the door lock look like a tough lock when if he's walking into the room? No, the and room. you can tell based on the lock in the room that you folks rented. It's a fairly simple bar. Just slides right down. It's just got like a little turn thing that pushes the bar up enough that it comes off of the hinge. Is it something she'd be able to see if she was looking at a lock from the outside? No, it's still like contained. Okay, their room and the other ladies' room are the only rooms on the floor, right? No, there's a couple more rooms on this floor. And again, some of them have their doors open and there are a few people milling about up here. 
The way the hallway is oriented, if the twins are talking kind of in the doorway with Lupo, could Ify be behind them trying to pick her lock and be kind of out of view? I'd let you make a stealth check on that, but it'd be with a minus two penalty, like to whatever your normal stealth score is. That's the way she's going to gash us and get in there with us for us. Unlock the door that way. Yeah, and then we'll just go in. So from your room, Laurie uses this spell and takes a few moments to cast it. Disappears out the window, and then a few moments later, you can hear the unlatching of the door in the room that Dr. Stella Conaveri is currently renting. Okay, we go in there and lock it, and then look around for a 19 plus 8 perception. The twins aren't acting weird, are they? No, the twins are fine. Okay. Now, people see you walk into her room. Yeah, but they were going to no matter what, so it doesn't matter, right? I will see if anyone, like, really watching her room for some reason. As you start going into the room, you can see a very large bald man with a scar on the back of his head move from out of one of the rooms and then walk down the stairs. I think someone was watching this room. So does Ify find anything interesting inside? Yeah, especially having a little more time to search than the twins had had before. Searching around, you find a number of what look like surgical notes that talk about excising different portions of the brain to achieve desired effects and how efficacious this could be if coupled with intense amounts of hypnotic therapy. You specifically find something that the twins had missed previously as you're rummaging through the room, however. There's a small satchel in the corner of the room that they had searched through casually before and found to be empty, but it has a false bottom in it. What's in the bottom? In the bottom is what looks like a small notebook. So before I start reading it, if we think she's going to be suspicious coming up to the room, do you want to have somebody hide in our room since she has to walk past it? We don't want to leave someone in here alone. No, but there's four of us. Lori's going to do the sleep. It also could be a warning if other people are coming in because she might send someone else ahead of her, right? We could also lure them into our room because they saw me, at least. Based off what you saw, because none of you made any efforts to try and hide that you were going into the room after the door was open for you. So they saw you all go in. I said, might as well just have everyone in here. We didn't give our real names, so... <laughs> didn't give any names. Can we have a rope ready in case we need to get out of here quick? <laughs> Both look between one another. Jennifer says, honestly, I hadn't been anticipating the need for a rope. At this point, I just have my pistol on me. I was trying to walk around without all my equipment. I pull out my silk rope and tie it off and put it out the window. So I guess we're just waiting for her to come. Or for whomever to come, right? It doesn't okay. take too long. You hear several minutes after the man has left a banging on the door as you're exploring around through the room and you hear, open up, you're not supposed to be in there. Everyone, just be really quiet. That's the owner, he's going to have a key. Yeah, you can see Jennifer going for her pistol while Lori seems to be waiting to figure out what to do. She seems the most thrown off by this. We have to do something and I know I'm trying to think of what I need to do. Uh... Yeah, and there's no peepholes or anything on the doors, so you can't tell who it is out there. Can I have Ify go out the window? She's going to go out the window and climb around and come around up the stairs. <laughs> okay, Ify, give me a climb check. For a 14? You have no problem starting to shimmy out the window. As you're coming down and getting onto the ground floor, you can see Dr. Conaveri off in the distance from the alleyway that you're in, talking to the man that had left. Okay. Can I come around and up the stairs and see who's on the staircase, like who's outside the door? You can. If you want to do it surreptitiously, you're going to have to give me a stealth roll. Otherwise, if you're just walking. Um, how's a 14 stealth? You get notice as you're coming out and around the okay. corner of the place. Cool. Who's at the door? As you're coming up and into the building, you see the doctor kind of very notices you while you're going in. When you go up into the building itself, the man at the counter gives you kind of like physical look, like he's kind of confused as to how you got back down and then are going back around. He doesn't press the issue as you start going up the stairs. When you get up the stairs, you see there are several human men waiting outside the door. Most of them are unarmed, but you see at least one of them has metal knuckles on and the other one is carrying what appears to be like a very large bottle. I'm going to go, hey, what are you doing in front of my door? Because they're right in front of my door, too. Because they can't all be in front of one doorway in a hallway. So they got to be kind of in front of mine, too. 
I said, I think we should exit and <laughs> make a <fun laughs> I'm trying to give this. you guys a bit of a distraction. So I'm going to try to leave then. Because, like, yes, there's with me, I'm guessing, so. Yeah, the thugs outside the doorway look at you and they go, you're one of them halflings that went inside that room, aren't you? She's just going to be like, are you breaking into that room or are you breaking into my room? And she's being very loud with this. I'm climbing out the window. Have okay, give me give me a too. climb check because it seems like the twins are coming with you at this point. <laughs> 16. Oh, f- me. <laughs> Lupo, you get down onto the ground. Jennifer is about halfway down when Laurie starts clambering out the window and the rope comes undone. Oh, no. That's good and bad. I mean, yeah. bad because Laurie's falling, but good because there's no evidence of a rope hanging out the window. Yeah, I mean, you're lucky in that sense. <laughs> And it's two yeah. stories, so, like, unless she gets real unlucky, hopefully she doesn't die hitting the ground. You got cure wounds. Yeah, I have Beric's uh, feather fall. As there is a crashing sound upstairs, there is also a crashing sound downstairs as Laurie lands on top of her sister, and you hear a little crunching noise as she hits. Oh. She rolls off of her sister, clearly in pain, as the rope falls down on top of her. What's happening in the hallway with me? In the hallway, you see the man that had been closest to the door that your friends had been behind kicks the door open. Oh, she's going to start screaming, thief, thief, breaking into the room, thief. At this point, the man downstairs that had been out the counter comes up. He's so hoping Lupo and her friends are out of that room. (laughs) Yeah, he comes lumbering up and he says, I'm calling the constabulary. Yeah, they're, they're breaking into that room. She's going to go running kind of towards the door because I'm assuming those men are not happy with her yelling and pointing and t- calling them thieves. Why don't you give me an initiative check at this point? If you... <laughs> oh, not great for Iffy. She only got a seven. The man with the metal knuckles swings at you first. Oof. So you wouldn't get an attack of opportunity against him because he counts as being armed. He punches you right in your tiny little halfling cheek. She's going to start crying. <laughs> she's she gonna start to crying like assault, assault and thief assaulting thief because <laughs> she's very little and she does not look to be armored if he, he cuffs you in the side of the cheek and it just cracks you really hard you take yeah. five points of lethal damage okay Oof. i'm yeah. good yeah i'm good but she's gonna play it up we're gonna hide we're gonna hide in the alley she is crying because it hurts so bad and she's yelling thief and assault. He's killing me. That kind of stuff. All right. We're going to condense everything down because this is getting too f- crazy right now. <laughs> okay. So if plan is to just play like she came up the steps, saw people breaking into a room and then they attacked her because she started yelling for help. That is her play on this the entire time. That is her story. She's sticking to it. She's not going to hint to anything about sneaking out the window or being a part of that room. All she's saying is, I went upstairs. There were thieves. They attacked me. All right. They hurt my face. The constabulary comes in relatively short order after the whole fracas starts. Eventually, the constabulary separates everybody. There was a short little scuffle, but other than you getting hit in the face that one time, everybody was just more roughing each other up. and The owner had tried to step in. She did not fight back at all. All the entire time. Yeah. Just like went down like a chump. The constabulary speaking to you says, So miss, am I to understand that you're supposed to be in this lodging? I paid for a room. My friend paid for my room. Where is this friend of yours, ma'am? I don't know. The thieves attacked me and she was gone. So I guess she's not that good of a friend. I see. I see. Now, of course, your friends, they wouldn't happen to be Laurie and Jennifer Weathermay Foxgrove, correct? Yeah, Jenny and uh, Lori. Yes. Yeah, I met them when I came to town. They have that shop. Yes, because we have reports that one of them was amongst the intruders into this room that is for rent here. Well, neither of them are the ones who punched me in the face. No, no, and we've detained the man that did so. Of course, if you wish to speak in front of the magistrate about that at a later point in time, we're happy to arrange for this man to be tried. Otherwise, he'll be fined and let go. All I know is I saw him break open the door, and when I was yelling, he came and punched me in the face. Well, of course, that isn't how a civilized person should be handling themselves, but at the same time, ma'am, we have a number of questions for you. What about the other halfling who was accompanying you? Where has he gone? 
I don't know, probably the same place the others went when they saw me getting attacked. My aunt's going to be so mad at him. You don't leave your cousins when they get punched by big people. He's not buying it at all. That's okay. She's sticking with it. Yeah. He says, I believe you'll actually be spending the night in custody as well, because at this point... Not in the same place with the big guy, right? We'll put you in separate holding cells. Thank you. And you are escorted out. She's fine with that. As long as it's just her and not everybody getting arrested for being in a room they're not supposed to be in. She's fine with that because they have no proof. The only thing that everybody saw was her getting punched in the hallway. Some people saw two halflings going in the room, but she wasn't in the room when they were there. Lupo. When we heard her screaming, we like moved down the, the way and we're trying to like get a little bit away as possible. Wow. You have no problems getting back to Van Richten's herbalist shop whatsoever. So when they go to the herbalist shop to confirm the story of the guys who saw them breaking in, they find them all just chilling there. Yes. By the time the constabulary manages to track down where you folks are, <laughs> you are 100% relaxing as if you had never been to that bunkhouse. So what I love is he doesn't buy my story, but part of him's always going to wonder about the small halfly woman that got punched <laughs> in the face for yelling about thieves that he locked up in jail. Whose only concern was not being locked up with other people who were going to continue hitting her. Yeah. And in fact, we're, we're going to gloss over the whole him discovering that they are claiming, in fact, that they were just staying at Van Richten's herbalist the entire time. And had yeah, not they came fact- and dropped Iffy off. And yeah. Yeah. You're freed eventually far later in the evening. She cries the whole time she's in jail. <laughs> just like the smallest, most pitiful sobs. Yeah. Oh, God. The constabulary that, that hauled you off to jail will not look at you as you're released. She just keeps like softly touching the big giant bruise on her face and going, I wish I was in Darkon. After a stern warning. Oh, wait, wait. About- no, she's going to ask him if she can have an escort home, like an escort, maybe to the apothecary shop because the place she's renting doesn't seem very safe. Through gritted teeth, he agrees <laughs> and sends a very young constable with you. Possibly one that he doesn't want to have around anyway. She flinches at every sound because she pretends (laughs) that she thinks someone's jumping out of the shadows to punch her in the face. (laughs) The whole way there. And she keeps asking, if I get punched, will I get arrested again? Is that the kind of constables you are? Am I not supposed to say it if I see people stealing? Because I won't anymore, I promise. Please don't let anyone hit me again. That's kind of the conversation the whole way home. Yeah, he's not really very excited to have this duty. And he just keeps saying, no, mom. No, mom. No. And when I see her, I'm like, Iffy, what happened? I got oh my God. in the face. What, she what starts happened? weeping. Give me a bluff she check. With arms. Give me a bluff check, Lupo. Oh, Actually, God. he doesn't know what happened. He wouldn't know why she has a bruised face. 15. Yeah, and oh he would legit be surprised to see her face. But I'm also playing it up. I, I... Yeah, yeah. The constabulary walks away. He looks very conflicted. This young <laughs> constable that they sent with you to keep you safe. You're going to hear from my uncle. He's a lawyer. If he goes into the house, just still crying, but this time happily because she's in with Lupo again. And then when she the door is shut, she stops crying immediately. And she's <laughs> she's like, hey, Lupo, can you feel my face? Or wait, no, maybe we shouldn't. Let's wait. Let's let's leave the bruises. Okay. For their part, the twins both look a little embarrassed. And Jennifer says, very clearly, we need to rethink our strategy for attempting to waylay this woman. Well, it's eventually, like, this probably means she's going to come after us now. If he, like, points at the bruise and goes, like, look, I got a face bruise, too. <laughs> Jennifer laughs a little bit at that. <laughs> it's probably like, more of a broken nose. And <laughs> full of a face bruise. <laughs> yeah, we need a better plan. Yeah, Laurie is nursing an injured arm as well oh. from where she fell and hit the ground. I, I can cure her. as I have a wand. I imagine you would have cured her before the cops came, so there wouldn't have been questions about her broken arm. Yeah, yeah any physical I, I injury. <laughs> yeah. Get all the dirt off. I hope that constable can't sleep tonight. I hope he keeps hearing halfling sobs in his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> we should find out where he lives. You should, you should be outside crying. Just cry all night long. <laughs> While wow. <he> sleeps. <laughs> Psychological warfare <laughs> on a man who's absolutely correct. 
But yeah, that wasn't our best plan. I told you guys I'm better at being sneaky than talky. <laughs> at this point, Laurie says, I mean, we can't even really confirm that she's got the item that you're looking for right now. Although I'd strongly suspect it based on the strange things that have happened. I'd certainly believe that that man behind the counter is under some sort of ensorcelment. I didn't notice, but I kind of had him in a weird situation, so. She says, yes, I mean, you ended up getting into a bit of a, an evening, let's call it. I was studying him a little more when we were there, originally booking the room, and something just felt off to me. I should have studied him too. That's what I meant to do, but I was looking for more for magical things. And well, I still have a room for the night. I can go back. I don't know if we have a room for the night anymore. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer says, given that my sister and I are known among the town folk, it would probably be best if we weren't accompanying you in situations where we were trying to get the best of someone, I suppose. Yeah, they seemed real suspicious of you down at the cop shop. We do sometimes make the constabulary look a little foolish when it comes to happenings of a more occult origin, so. Yeah, I think he felt a little foolish looking the night. Will Ify manage to worm her way out of constabulary custody again? Will the cousins and the Weathermay Foxgrove twins ever get the monocle away from Dr. Connerberry? And what was contained in the book that the group liberated from the sinister doctor's lodgings? Find out that he answers some of these questions and more on the next episode of Ravenloft, Tiny Terrors. Find out the answers to some of these questions and more on the next episode of Ravenloft, Tiny Terrors. Ravenloft is a registered trademark owned by Wizards of the Coast Incorporated. The Pathfinder role-playing game is trademarked Paizo Incorporated. Our theme song, Spooky Halloween Trailer, was composed by Toy Invention and is used under a commercial license that includes sync licensing. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always email us at realplaygamespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at realplaypod. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash realplaygamespod and get early and exclusive content in exchange for helping us pay the rent.